You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Thursday, October 29th. My name, of course, is Javier Reyes, your host of this here Lockdown Padres Podcast. Check out and follow Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or you can check out my personal account, which is at Javapeno, which is spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. Oh, check out all the goody content on there for show if you'd like. You can also message both of those accounts, tweet at both accounts if you want any of your questions, comments, or concerns answered, and I might even them answer them here on the show. And guys, today I want to do part two of my little fan graphs thing, I guess. I started it on Monday with looking at the offense comparatively, uh, the preseason projections from fan graphs to what they turn out to be for the season. I did them with all the batters, most of the major batters for the most part for the Padres in their lineup, broke that down, which was kind of the greatness of the season for them in a lot of ways. And now I want to look at, take a look at pitching, right? Pitching was kind of a tale of two cities. On one hand, it was certainly good. Because statistically, in terms of team numbers, they were they were really up there amongst all the best in the league. The Padres pitching total in totality had an earned run average that was 8th in the league. Then batting average against was ninth in the league. And then whip was 3rd in the league. So certainly very, very good. But there was also some bad this year. And we're going to get into the bad. And we're going to start. Let's just, let's just get into it right now. Let's get into the bad first, guys. And that was Chris Paddock, right? Fangrass projected him to have an ERA that was definitely not going to be good this year at a 4.04, striking out with a K per 9 of about 9.4, not walking a whole lot of batters. What ended up actually happening? Well, even despite the little bit of a low projections from Fangraphs, it was even worse. He finished with an ERA of 4.73, his FIP was 5. He was basically, in every kind of way, a major disappointment this year. The walk rate was still super low, which was great. And his K percentage was about average in terms of uh, looking about the rest of the year. But the big thing this year, guys, is I feel like people might have just caught on to what Paddock was doing. And what he was doing was using basically two pitches most of the time, right? And that was his four-seam fastball and his changeup. His four-seam fastball, he threw 58% of the time. His changeup, 31% of the time. And then every now and then, he'd throw curve, a curveball, which he was experimenting with preseason. And then a tiny bit of that cutter at 3.4% of the time. And the big thing this year is if you look at just the simple statistics, his bottom line, he did not locate his fastball nearly as well as he did last year. People did not whiff as much, and the batting average on his fastball this year was 308. And he gave up actually 10 home runs on it, which, you know, is not that crazy considering it's the pitch that he uses a lot. But if you compare it to last year where he only gave up 14, and that was, you know, over the course of a lot uh, more pitches that were thrown, uh, it's really bad. His changeup was still pretty unstoppable. People uh, opposing batters was only batting 187 against it, which is pretty much exactly in line with how they did against it last year. So that's the good news. People certainly did not catch on to Chris Paddock's changeup this year. But the biggest thing, that is just in terms of a baseline stat that I looked at, is that hard hit percentage for Chris Paddock, it was amongst the lowest in the league. Last year it was 32.5, and this year it was 47.4, which puts him in the bottom 5 percentile of every pitcher among the league. Yes, like I said, he didn't walk a whole lot of guys, but basically the bottom line is when people were making contact with Chris Paddock's fastball, it was going far. He didn't give up like a whole lot of home runs per se, but just in terms of lacing doubles all across the field, he was terrible. I mean, just go look at his MLB StatCast page, 10th percentile in exit velocity, 
hard hit percentage was five percentile, weighted on base 25, ERA 25. Everything was pretty bad this year. What is good in terms of the good news, like I mentioned, his changeup was pretty good, and the velocity didn't dip too much. So while it was a bad season for Paddock, I am willing to kind of say it was a little bit of a sophomore slump, and he's still young. He's still learning, and people are learning against him. So we're hoping that next year he can kind of have a bounce back and develop more of a, you know, a variety of a pitching repertoire. But the biggest thing this year, that exit velocity was just completely unacceptable and the, the ball was straight. I don't know what else I can really say about Chris Paddock. He was a bust this year and certainly wasn't an ace. But now, now that's basically, that's the worst of it out of the way, I'd argue, with the Padres pitching, right? Let's talk about the good stuff that happened this year. Let's talk about Denelson Lamette. He was a guy that I was super high on heading into the season, and Fangraphs, they were kind of high on him. He was projected to have a final ERA of 3.37 with a K per nine of 11.9 and not give up too many home runs per nine with only 1.1. And what did Denelson Lament end up doing? Well, he finished with a 2.09 ERA and a whip under one at 0.86. And he struck out a whole lot of people. His K percentage, in fact, was among the best in the league. And it was pretty good before, don't get me wrong. It was around 33.5% last year in his limited time. And then this year, it was 34.8%. So we always knew that he had kind of really high uh, strikeout upside. The question was, you know, are people going to hit him hard? Are people going to, you know, catch on to what he's doing? He basically relied on three pitches, and that was a slider, four-seamer, and sinker. And all of them were pretty amazing, especially that slider was just unbelievable. And sinker, every now and then when he threw it, although it wasn't the most effective uh, sinker, I'd argue on the Padres starting rotation this year and we'll get to that guy in a second bottom line is Denelson Lamette was awesome and a borderline top five Cy Young candidate this year a true breakout it is possible that because people were able to hit uh, his fastball pretty hard whenever they did make contact, similar to Paddock, um, it is possible that to expect a little bit of regression next year, but I don't want to get too much into that. Bottom line is the guy was just blazing fast, and what was crazy is even you know late into games, he was able to, I mean, I remember when he almost had that no-hitter at one point in the year, when he went seven and two-thirds without giving a hit, and he was throwing at like 9,900, so that guy's got a tank, let me tell you. So, Denelson Lament, definitely the ace pitcher on this staff right Right now, who knows what happens in the future with Mackenzie Gore, but for right now, that's the star pitcher of the team. But as I alluded to with the slider, the biggest breakout was to Nelson Lamette. Do not mistake me, but the biggest thing that happened arguably, just in terms of a depth perspective and an unexpected point of view, you know, something that we did not expect, that was Zach Davies. Fangrass before the season, they projected him to have a 4.38 ERA. And what did he end up finishing with? He ended up finishing with a 2.73 RA, ERA, which is just insane. One of the things about Davies last year that wasn't impressive heading into the season is that his K percentage was among the lowest in the league. Last year, it was 15.2%, and this year, it was 22.8%, which is actually pretty solid. Around a little slightly, slightly, slightly below average in terms of the league. He's certainly not a strikeout artist, but he got the job done. And from what was expected to be kind of the fifth guy in the Padres lo- ro- uh, rotation, you know, it was expected to be Joey Lucchese, instead it was basically the most reliable pitcher for the Padres in the regular season. You know, with that all being said, though, he did start to wear down a little bit towards the end of the season, and we saw in the playoffs that people may be, may be catching on to his whole sinker thing. The guy doesn't throw super hard, for sure. His fastball velocity is in the bottom fifth percentile of the entire league, throwing only around 587 miles an hour most of the time. But I would say in terms of the fifth starter, it's still somebody that the Pirates can rely on. However, heading into next year, though, guys, I'd be a little bit cautious into expecting that he's going to re- replicate what he did this year. I think in the playoffs is a little bit more indicative as people started to realize what he was all about. 
with that sinker, throwing low and away, throwing low and inside sometimes. Kind of, he was really great with his location, and I'm not sure if he's going to be able to consistently locate that sinker to a point where everybody's going to kind of hit that same kind of ground that everybody was doing all year. He's a maddening pitcher to face. He was certainly a breakout, but I'd watch out for him next year, guys. Do not expect the same season. You know, maybe expect something like a 3.8 ERA, not something like a 2.7 ERA like he did this season. But lastly, guys, let's talk about another starting pitcher, and that was Garrett Richards, who was not expected by Fangraphs at all to go super far into the season, you know, with with the whole health concerns. But they did expect him to have a 3.99 ERA and all this stuff. And here's the complicated thing is kind of the projections got thrown off ever since the Padres essentially just decided to stop using the guy. He ended up pitching 46 innings this year, and it wasn't because he was hurt or anything, and his ERA was at 4.27, so really, I don't really know how to evaluate Garrett Richards, because while he was in, I actually thought he was better than Chris Paddock by a good amount this year, and just in terms of war, he had a 0.7, as compared to Paddock, who had a 0.3 war. I think that it was just, it was very odd. I don't know exactly why the Padres didn't want to use him more, considering that the biggest reason for his ERA jump was basically just that one game against Colorado. You know, if you compare him to the rest of the starting pitching rotation, you know, he was well below. And then they ended up using a whole lot of bullpen guys. So I don't really know what to look at in terms of Garrett Richards. I don't really know what to evaluate. Bottom line is the Padres felt more comfortable putting him in the bullpen towards the end of the season. I don't know what it was, but that was the case. And some of the guys that ended up replacing him when needed, I mean, you had a whole swath of guys. You know, you had guys like Adrian Monahone, who's projected to have an ERA of 4.56 and finished with an ERA of 4.82, but that didn't necessarily tell the full story, just because he was really excellent in terms of his strikeout percentage, which was the highest among all the starting pitchers, except for Denelson Lament. So that's a guy that I would keep my eye on. For next year, in terms of being in the starting rotation, potentially, depending on what moves the Padres make or don't make in the offseason, I'd keep my eye on Mornahone. I think that he looks good at points. Don't get me wrong, I don't think he's looked good good, as some other Padres fans think, because, you know, he, he looks good every now and again. So it's, all right, the Cardinals, he's made good starts, and the San Francisco Giants, whatever, right? Or actually, the Giants were actually much better this year than expected in terms of their offense, so that's not that much of a, a pushover team. So he should get credit for that, but for the most part, I look for him to be kind of the soft start to kind of iron out the rotation. Joey Lucchese was another guy that was expected to be in the rotation, and basically he only went like two starts and was terrible, so there's not much to say about that. You know what I mean? Let's just leave it at that. He finished with an ERF 8.44 and just 5.1 innings pitch, so he was very bad. Um, but you know what is not bad, guys? Boom, boom, boom. That's right, guys. RockAuto.com. It is certainly not bad whatsoever. In fact, it's actually one of the best car websites out there. First and foremost, RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, you get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. That last part is really good, especially in the current kind of pandemic that we're living in, who doesn't want to hear that thing about things getting directly delivered to your door? And even more impressive is that the rockauto.com catalog, it's really remarkably, actually remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices that you prefer, you specifically. And best of all, best of all, I mean, I've been tooting all these good things about Rock Auto. It's a family business and Vin Diesel, you know, and the Fast and Furious, Dominic Toretto, my beloved, he would appreciate that. You know, it's easy to navigate all this stuff, but you know what's the best of all, the common language, everybody. Rock Auto prices are always 
Reliable and they're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Just just ask yourself. Just go ahead. Just ask yourself right now. Does it make sense? No, it does not. So go to rockauto.com right now, guys, and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there. How'd you hear about us box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. All right, guys, and continuing this pitching breakdown, now let's touch on the bullpen. Not nearly as exciting in a lot of ways as the starting pitching this year, but it was excellent. Don't make any mistakes. The bullpen was still great. While it won't get all the highlights and it won't, you know, get all the replays of Denelson Lamette's almost no-hitter, it was still really good this year. However, it wasn't good in ways that we necessarily expected. Biggest thing this year is, you know, projected to be one of the best relievers in all of baseball. Similar to how I mentioned with the starting pitchers, we started off on a bad note there and starts off on a bad note here with Kirby Yates. Now, there isn't too much that I can go into numbers because bottom line is he didn't pitch much. He only went four and a thirds inning in total this year. And let us let me tell you, those four and a thirds innings were not very good, let me tell you. He finished with an ERA of 12.46 and a whip of 2.54. You know, Kirby Yates was bad. Kirby Yates was bad, and he gets hurt, and he's done for the season. I don't know exactly if the Padres are going to pick him back up. Maybe they will. Maybe they will offer him another contract, but it's hard to say considering that he got hurt. And it really sucks for a guy who, last year, his ERA was 1.19, the year before 2.14. I mean, he was among the league's best, and a great K percentage of 41.6 last year, and, and all that. Like He was a great, great pitcher, and his, even his walk percentage was really low last year, 5.3%. So it's hard to look at any of the numbers this year. Really, all I can say is injury-riddled season, kind of similar to Tommy Pham. He just wasn't very good, and we never got to see if he was going to make it up because there was plenty of other uh, pitchers and plenty of other players that started off slow, especially with the offense, I'd say, honestly, more than the pitching. But in general, there's plenty of guys who didn't start off great and ended up evening it out throughout the rest of the season. Kirby Yates, he just never got another chance, and it remains to be seen whether he'll get another chance with the Padres. But now let's move on to some of the good people in the Padres bullpen, people who absolutely did not turn out to be bust this year like Kirby Yates, and that is Drew Pomeranz. Drew Pomeranz was projected to have a 3.24 ERA by Fangraphs and ended up finishing with, get this, a 1.45 ERA. Basically, in every metric, Drew Pomerantz was one of the premier relievers in all of baseball this year. He's definitely up there. I know that the Dodgers might have some guys that people would debate with, and I know there's Devin Williams out there with the Brewers, but in general, Drew Pomerantz was unbelievable, and he was probably, there was a chance that he might have even got, uh, might have been the best reliever in baseball if it was not for that last kind of series against San Francisco, because throughout basically all the season up until that series, he hadn't given up a single run. Some quick minor observations, aside from him just being great, is two things. First of all, just in terms of his pitch like kind of repertoire, unlike previous years, Drew Pomeranz basically focused all entirely and relied on his four-seam fastball and his curveball. And then what's interesting is in previous years, he still had the four-seam fastball and curveballs, but he also threw a sinker and a cutter at least a decent amount of times. And even if you're going really, really back, he threw a couple change-ups every now and then. But that's probably goes into the fact that he was a starting pitcher beforehand. You know, he had some years, and he was a starting pitcher for the Padres, so he's had some years, and it looks like he's really found his, his role as a relief pitcher. And my second observation is that with the uncertainty of, you know, bringing back Kirby Yates or more importantly, probably Trevor Rosenthal after his breakout season, is this. The Padres signed Drew Pomerantz to a four-year, $34 million contract, which is a pretty chunky amount of money, I'd say, for a relief pitcher, especially someone who hasn't been 
super consistent throughout his whole career. Obviously, it ends up being worth it. I'm wondering if that contract was kind of one of those things where maybe he's actually, there's plans on him being the closer in the future. Maybe it wasn't going to be this year because they expected to have Yates, and obviously they brought in Trevor Rosenthal, but my expectation is I think True Pomeranz might be the closer for the Padres heading into next season, assuming that they don't go out and get, you know, re-sign Trevor Rosenthal, for example. So that's going to be one of the major storylines, I think, to kind of follow in the offseason. And then, unfortunately, you know, maybe I should have paced this better. Maybe I should have got all the bad out of the way instead of, you know, going back and forth. Uh, but we're going to do it anyway, and we're going to mention Emilio Pagan, who is projected to have a 3.88 ERA. And this season, well, he was one of the bigger busts on the Padres. Now, I actually don't think he was as disastrous because he did kind of calm down as the season went along. But in 22 innings pitched, Emilio Pagan ended up finishing with a 4.5 ERA. A home run per nine of 1.64, which was a little bit expected by Fangraphs, with a 1.5 expected uh, home run per nine. And that's really the big thing with Emilio Pagan is he's really susceptible to the long ball. But one thing that we weren't expecting is for his ERA and basically every other metric to jump dramatically. Now, like I said, he did improve considerably towards the end of the season. He wasn't an ace bullpen guy, but he definitely settled down more of the regression to the mean. So he's not a total, total disaster, especially since he was at least able to remain healthy, sort of, for the most part. Sort of. I actually changed my mind. He actually... I think he was hurt a decent amount of time. But anyway, the four-seam fastball just seemed to be something that everyone was waiting on. And the cutter didn't quite work the same way that I thought it was going to. And the same way it worked last year because he had a 2.31 ERA in 2019 with the Tampa Bay Rays. And a walk percentage of just 4.9%, which jumped up dramatically this year to 10.3 which is by far and away the highest of his career. So Emilio Pagan, a bust for sure, especially considering he was is someone that we traded for and someone we expected to really bolster the bullpen, but not a total disaster and someone that I might even maybe look for a little bit of a bounce back next year. I mean, that's not super bold considering that anybody apparently in baseball as a reliever could have that one good season, but still, I want to keep it in mind. Some other guys worth mentioning, Matt Strom, one of the more underrated guys on the bullpen this year, he was projected to have an ERA of 3.94 and ended up finishing with a 2.61 ERA. Like I said, basically everybody in the Padres bullpen this year was pretty solid, with the exception of the fact that Kirby Yates died and and the fact that uh, Emilio Pagan was a little bit of a bust. Matt Matt Strom, while he did have a couple of key uh, blown moments when he gave up like four runs, I believe, to the Giants early on in the season, he was still pretty solid for what they kind of needed him to do. Another guy that was pretty solid for what he needed to do was Pierce Johnson. Pierce Johnson was expected to have a 3.83 ERA and a home run per nine of 1.2. And ended up finishing instead with a 2.7 ERA and a home run allowed per nine of just 0.9. Pretty, pretty good. Ground ball percentage wasn't super high for him, but his K percentage certainly was at 33.8%. I thought that Pierce Johnson was another... Look, look, this is the thing, guys, is that, yes, Drew Pomeranz is the guy and Trevor Rosenthal was the guy. We'll get to him in one second, but for the most part, I really do think that... Basically, everything about the Padres' bullpen is they could throw out guys like Cal Quantrill, who was solid in kind of moments that he had to be. He finished with an ERA of 2.63 over the course of only 13 innings, but still, it's it's something worth mentioning. And especially if you throw in his uh, the few innings that he did go starting, that doesn't look... Uh, you know, quite as bad as was expected, and Cal Quantrill may have, may have carved out a role for himself. You know, Javi Guerrero wasn't very good over the course of 13.1 innings. He gave up... 10, he had an ERA of 10.13, which isn't good. Um, but I'd say that for the most part, and even and Craig Stammen, of course, is a mess, and that's a guy that I think a lot of people want the the Padres to lose. Although I think that they have him for a couple more years. That's really in, in terms of uh, the main guys that were expected to pitch for the bullpen. And then the last guy, of course, is Jeffrey Rosenthal. Heading into the year, his ERA was expected to be 3.7, and they ended up finishing with a 1.9 ERA and a WHIP under one 
and he was awesome. He even had 11 saves in total this year, some with the Royals and whatnot. And if you just want to, if you're wondering, oh, well, did he, did he, is he like Mitch Moreland? Did he actually have not great stats with the Padres? No, they were even better. In fact, in the 10 innings that he pitched for the Padres, he didn't give up a single run and had a final ERA of zero. That is right, zero. And his strikeout percentage was 48.6%, which was awesome. And he did not walk barely anybody at just 2.9%. Don't get me wrong, a little bit of a smaller sample size, but the trade was clearly worth it. The last thing I want to mention with bullpen and stuff is that Luis Patino made his debut this year. And he was, well, not great. You know, as a starting pitcher, he only went one and two-thirds of an inning, giving up a bunch of runs, his ERA finishing at 5.4. And in terms of his stats with the bullpen, he went about 15 and two-thirds, having a final ERA of 5.17, which isn't great. The bottom line is this. While he was not good, don't get me wrong, he was not very good, the way I view it is that you know, he's young. The guy is like 20 years old. He literally isn't allowed to drink. I'm allowed to drink it. He isn't. So Luis Patino, there is no reason to have any panic about him whatsoever. And the same goes for guys like Ryan Weathers, who also made his debut in the playoffs. What I do think is weird is that these two guys both made their debuts before Mackenzie Gore, who's the top pitching prospect in all of baseball and in the Padres farm system, of course. That's my only thing about Patino. My thing about Patino is the fact that he still made his debut before Gore. I'm still really excited about the guy. He throws gas sometimes. Um, but it really, there's really nothing to read into, at least in my opinion, in terms of a sample size. There were times where he looked great, and there were times where people were just ready for him, and they were like, hey, welcome to the big leagues, my friend. It is not going to be very easy. We don't care what kind of prospect you are. We are going to shell and destroy you and make you miserable if you let us. But really, you know, this just jointed kind of all over the place, my thoughts on the bullpen and just the starting pitchers in general. That's really all I have to say, guys. The Padres pitching was great this year. Actually, not just great. It was uh, pretty elite. And I think a lot of people didn't expect that. I think a lot of people thought that this was going to be a team that was going to rely a lot on Chris Paddock to have another good year, not have a sophomore slump, and that they would hope to maybe get someone like Mackenzie Gore and Luis Patino called up and that those guys are really the future. No, instead, the Nelson Lumet broke out. Zach Davies gave was a good season, although I wouldn't necessarily count on him repeating that to the same degree next year, and you had a great bullpen that really made up for the fact that they kind of didn't really have a fifth starter for most of the season. I'm really curious to see if the Padres kind of make any additions there. I'm curious to see if they get super aggressive, which they, well, we all know they can with uh, AJ Preller at the helm, and see if they go out and get a starting pitcher. Otherwise, I think that the Padres, this is like one of the, the finer things about the team. The offense really blew up, obviously, and the biggest thing with them is they're able to get on base and hit a whole lot of home runs earning them the Slam Diego moniker, but I think that the pitching is something that's even more encouraging, considering that all their guys haven't even been called up yet. And with that all being said, guys, that about does it for my thoughts on the projections versus the final numbers for the Padres' mishmash of bullpen and starting pitchers. Uh, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, wherever. It could be It could be wherever. <laughs> you know, you never know. Just type it in the search bar. You might find it. It's just uh, actually, it's not that you might find it. You will find it. I guarantee it. Be sure to follow the show or myself on Twitter. That's at LO underscore Padres and at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O for myself. You could send me some five-star reviews on the iTunes app. That would be very appreciated. But until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.